I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. You wanted more? Here's season four of The Connor and Smith Show. We're just yelling all the time, I feel. Yep. Okay, well, tonight uh, we are so super psyched to talk to the actress Tracy Toms. You have seen her in every TV show out there. Um, and in The Devil Wears Prada and Rent, the musical movie, um, she, her career is incredible. We walk through it um, and highlight her journey. And her journey started right here in this area um, from Baltimore. Yep. <clears throat> so we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back. Tracy, can you hear me well? I can. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Okay. Hi, how are Hi. you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm sitting here with my co-host and husband, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> how are you? Oh, gosh, who cares? It's like three degrees. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you on the East Coast? I'm on. I'm, I'm from the East Coast, but I'm on the West Coast. Oh, we talked to somebody in Hawaii last night. Now I'm like, why are we calling all these people with nice weather? I know. Sorry, but you're you're kind of almost from here, so you know what I'm talking about. I do know exactly what you're talking about. I just leave before that happens. Yes, you're smart. <laughs> For Christmas, out of there by New Year's. I know it gets really bad in January and February. You're like those birds uh, in Maryland, you know, the, oh no, Delaware. They, they found these birds in Delaware that know when a hurricane's coming up the East Coast and they fly to the South. Yeah. So you, you're like one of those birds. You're like, okay, exactly it's, it's time to leave. Exactly. <laughs> so Tracy, you uh, born and raised in Baltimore, correct? Yep. Yep. That is correct. Um, and... We, uh, I think we worked at a mutual theater together back in the day. Did, didn't you work at the Toby's Theater, uh, dinner theater? I sure did. Way in the Wayback Machine. We did as well. Um, and God, they had this thing. You weren't, you didn't happen to be there. Why are we bringing up Toby's? Because that's where we got to start. Toby's going to act like this interview is about her. Well, she created this interview. Okay. Well, she did. <clears throat> Yeah, she's she's, a, she's the queen of the round. her flowers. <laughs> um, we we did many shows there early in our career uh, out of college. Um, you did the the Beehive there, right? I did Beehive. I did Best Little Horse in Texas, and I did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. One of the billion times you did that show. I was about to say I was a Joseph. They've done that show like twenty times. They just keep coming. They just keep coming back to it. It's the same set pieces and costumes. It's just that rock, the rock among the the rocky, the rocky steps. It is the rock, and, and the oh my god, how many people have been on that rock? Um, so many so things have happened on that rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to get you a. I'm gonna try to be the um, agent and and get you a million dollars for Toby to get you to direct Rent. <laughs> oh. I'm just, they've already done Rent, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, they did do A couple yeah. times. Oh, God, see, I don't even pay attention to Toby's. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I mean, it's not that we don't pay attention to Toby's. It's just that there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure there wasn't. I know when we moved here, well, I moved here in 2000. There were definitely not as many theaters as there are now. Now there's just theater everywhere, around every corner. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, you went to Howard University. I did. did was that a commute or did you just go there and live in D.C.? I lived in D.C. I lived on 10th and M Street. I lived in the towers at the at Howard, the towers. Mm-hmm. Okay, first, I lived in a dorm, Bethune Hall, which no, no longer exists. And then I moved to the towers for a, for a year. And then I moved to um, 10th and M into an apartment. And let me ask a question about something. I know nothing what this means. What is group 30? Group 30 is my is my group at Juilliard. So Juilliard, the, the year you graduate, you don't say the year you graduated. You say what group you're in. Ah. The first class was group one. So like uh, Kevin Klein, Pat, Pat Lapone were in that class. The group one. Um, so it goes oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, and I was group 30. Now they're only group 50 something. <laughs> it's not making me feel old at all. <laughs> um and and so i have to tell you just a funny little side note um i i can't uh so ryan is your best bestie we did a sound test earlier tonight right ryan, ryan duncan oh that's hilarious what well, i was just doing waiting for you guys to waiting for us to start i was watching his video on distant thunder that he a video that he posted about his a show that he's doing he was very curious what time was the interview and then he said well you know traffic out there um and he was like she is my common law wife mm-hmm. uh we lived together long enough to be common law married did y'all meet yeah. in new york no we met in dc we met backstage at um the west end dinner theater way back in the day Come on backstage, West End Dinner Theater. Oh my God. I made so much money there. The West End Dinner Theater. Yes, I met him backstage there. And then we ended up doing Festival for Us in Texas at, at Toby's. Wow. I said to Ryan, I I can't even remember the last time I saw him. Um, that's how long ago it was, but it, it was another life. Uh, so I can't wait to catch up with him tomorrow, but he sends his love. Um, oh. Well, I'm going to jump right into what you're doing right now, but I want to know, what are you doing right now? Are you working on a million projects? I'm working on a few. Um, I'm doing 911 on Fox. I'm doing Station 19 on uh, ABC. I'm doing um, Truth Be Told for Apple Plus, which is like my, my regular series, regular gig. I'm on that show, but we're about to start filming season three. Um, I did a couple movies last year. and I've Straight up. I'm on, but they haven't announced me on that show yet, so I'm not going to say anything yet. But um, there's another show I'm on on Hulu. And uh, yeah, I just keep trucking along. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what is it? I, okay, I know nothing about your world because clearly I just went to school to tap. <laughs> so like, take me in just a, a day of your world on the West Coast. Like, do you, uh, um, and I know COVID has probably changed a lot of this. You're, I'm sure everybody's house now looks like a staple store with, um, you know, or a studio, you have to print out everything. You can, no one gives you things, but what does your day look like now when you're working over there? When I'm working? Um, well, it depends on what I'm working on. I mean, you know, I, we what, basically we just get tested all the time. The things that are different about work are that we test at least three times a week when you're working regularly. Um, and, um, and there's all this COVID, these COVID protocols 
and you get if someone tests positive and it kind of shuts down the day for a second, you got to figure out what the contact tracing is and things like that. But but generally the work is the same. You just keep a mask on until you're shooting. Mm. And sometimes you're in a studio and sometimes you're on location. Yeah. And you know that like the night before or it, or like way ahead of time. Um, it depends on when they give you the schedule. So what they do is they board the show. Um, they figure out when they're going to shoot everything. They give you a, like a one-liner, these, uh, these, these pages of like when you're, when you're working. So you look on the page, you see what your character number is. And it's like a grid. So you look at your number, you look at the day you're shooting, and it tells you whether it's on location or it's on stage. Um, but uh, you don't, if it's on location, you don't really know where you're going until you get the call shoot the day before. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And then when you um, are working on a project, I'm assuming that you never totally understand the project you're working on. So you can't like give any spoilers out like, uh, oh, by the way, this character dies in this episode or, or do you know already know all that? If I'm in the episode and I get the script of the episode and then I know that and then I just know I can't say anything. Right, 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 right. You know, there are some projects sometimes that they're really... Um, you know, if they're really crunched for time, they will give me just my scenes. Um, and I'll just look at my scenes. But, you know, they usually give you the whole script. And oftentimes there's a, there's a table read, particularly for Station 19. There's always a table read, so I know what's going on. Do you ever feel like uh, because people see you a lot in their living room or in their phones or whatever, watching things that's all Tracy, does it ever feel like occasionally that someone might treat you in a way that they think they know you and in the back of your mind you're thinking you don't know me well that happens all the time people and i've done it I and mean, i've done it as well people just know they know your face mm -hmm. so you know and even i have one i have one of those faces that looks familiar even if i wasn't on tv so i always had people coming yeah, up don't i know you <laughs> don't i know you and i'm like no i just i look like some i have a, a vaguely familiar face i look like a lot of people so well I mean, you're on everyone's TV quite a lot between all your TV work. Happens is people think I like work at their bank or I work at the mall or I'm a client of theirs or something. <laughs> so, yeah, because so. you you know with theater, unless you actually see the show and and and, and, and unless there's a movie about the of, of the performance, you don't really have that exact same experience where people can literally just watch you in their pajamas. Yeah, but like right now, there's so much Broadway plus, you know, Broadway HD stuff that people do watch um, productions of, particularly if it's Broadway. But if it's local theater, unless somebody's really like filming it or there's a lot of coverage in a local um, TV shows, no, that doesn't happen. Broadway Maybe HD is. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Maybe if you're on the poster for the show that's around town, they'll they'll recognize you. But it doesn't happen as much. You know, it happens. It happens less now because we're wearing masks all the time, so it doesn't happen as much as it used to. But, but yeah, it's interesting when people recognize me, particularly if they know my name. That's when it gets. I'm like, whoa, you you really know who I am, right? People I just look familiar to people. They're like I know you from somewhere. I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know. Um, we saw you on Broadway HD in the 2016 Falsettos production. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. Tell tell us a little about that experience. Well, you know, I auditioned for it, but I thought there was no way I was going to get it because, you know, William Finn, his writing is so, it's kind of old school Broadway, the way he kind of writes. And I don't really sing like that. I'm very much like a pop rock Broadway singer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, I'm not going to give me this. I don't like sing right <laughs> for it. And then I got a call back and I went to New York and 
Betsy and I did our uh, callback together, and I already knew Betsy, so we already had chemistry. And uh, and they hired me, and I was shocked. I was like really in shock, and I had to learn how to sing a whole different way to do that show. So the beginning in rehearsals, I'm like, I'm gonna lose my voice. I'm gonna they're gonna fire me. I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, then I started working with Joan later, and she really helped me on a whole different placement. Uh, so once I once I got straightened out in that way, then it became then it became fun. Um, I loved the. Like <laughs> I love the blocks, the different kind of blocks. The oh, staging yeah. is really cool. Those blocks, I'm telling you, we had to learn those blocks without any help. So we were like, can we color code them or yep. like dot on them or something? They're like, no, no, because <laughs> it's going to make you lean on something that's not going to be there. They're like, right. just trust us. They're all slightly different sizes. So you'll be able to find yours. Cause you know, that part where you knock them all down and we to find them real quick and build up a whole like living room scene. <laughs> We're like, this is never going to work. Like Tracy, you take the small block and put it here. You take the, the middle size triangle and you put it here. I'm like, how am I going to, I don't know it's the middle size triangle until I see it up against the other triangles. Right. Um, but they were right. They're right. We did figure it out. <laughs> Who was the director on that? That was James Lapine. Oh God. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah. that, that's incredible. That, that show, uh, it's always been a very special um, score. Uh, I'd never seen it prior to that filmed production because it's not done that often yeah. around here. I think it was the first time I uh, had subject material like that in my life that I could relate to, but possibly other people in my family couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I was really happy that I could maybe explore these characters and understand um, situations that I, you know, I wouldn't have been informed at that time otherwise. Well, mm -hmm. I think that the show pre-rent, we had what, uh, Lacage and this. Mm -hmm. and, and as far as depictions of people who were painted as humans, mm -hmm. um, and then Rent came along and changed yeah. everything. And right. you have a, a relationship with Rent. Um, you did the film yep. and then you went back and did the closing on Broadway and that was filmed for a DVD as well. Yes. So what's, um, how did, uh, d so you have a musical theater background as far as, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, you, you've done shows, you, you know, you had your training and, you see the audition notice for Rent and you're like, I've got this, this is it? Or how did that work? Uh, it's actually a very long story. How much time you got? <laughs> what? Whatever, what, it, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> well, I saw Rent in 97. Um, my college boyfriend at the time was being, he was in the business, school of business at Howard. And he got, um, he got, uh, like he was being wooed by all these companies. So they got him tickets to rent and rent was an impossible ticket to get at the time in 97, like in uh, March or something of, of, of February, March of 97. So I went up and took the train up and, I, and we saw it. And I was like, I, I have to be in the show. I just was weeping. And, and at the time I wasn't like a weeper. So for me to weep at anything was like a big deal. Um, so, so I went and I saw it and I was like, I have to be in the show. I have to, you know, audition and whatever. So 
Um, they were having an audition. They were having an open call. That's when they had these open calls for rent. They were just like, anybody who can sing, we're not looking for, for musical theater singing. We're looking for more like pop rock singing. We want authentic people, blah, blah, blah. It was all very, very, very cool. So I drove up. I was doing Joseph at Toby's at the time. Um, I did two shows on a Sunday and then drove up, rode up with some friends of mine. We rode all the way up to, to New York and got in line for the for the 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 the, uh, the audition, and the line at 5 a.m. as we drove up that night wrapped all the way around the block. It, it spanned forever, and at 5 a.m. Oh and my it, God! It was like early April, so it was freezing. So we stood in in line from 5 a.m. all the way to like 1 p.m. and still weren't even there. And then my friend was like, "I have to go back. I have to get back on the bus." No, actually, I'm I'm lying. We took the bus. No, they drove. I was going to take a bus. So they, we all drove up and they're like, we have, we have to go back. We have a show tonight. And I was like, okay, I'll stay and I'll take the bus back. We waited another 10 minutes. They're like, okay, we're going to go. And I go to speak and I had lost my voice. Oh, no. I had never lost my voice before that. Um, it was the first time I'd ever lost my voice. I didn't understand losing your voice until that happened. I was like, oh, okay. This is not for me right now, obviously, because I can't go in there and sing like this. So I got back in the car. We went back down. But a friend of mine who I had convinced to, to audition for it was in line in front of me and he went in and he got it. So when they were doing auditions in DC, um, he made sure I got a slot for the audition in DC and I went and then I started my seven year auditioning for rent stint. I auditioned for rent nine times in seven years and they kept saying no. And then my final audition, I was like, this is my last time auditioning for rent ever. I'm done with this show. I'm over it. They don't want me, clearly. I went in for the And now I don't want you. Now I don't want you. Uh, you know, I thought I wanted you, but maybe I don't. <laughs> but, um, which was all a lie, you know. But then, uh, just for Chris Columbus, a month later, they told me, they called me and said, well, you're going to test for this. Uh, we're going to find out tomorrow whether they're going to whether they're gonna test you or whether they're just going to give it to you. The next day, they called. I was coming from an awful commercial audition, you know, wondering what I was doing in my life. And then I got the call that I got the movie. Wow. For all those years of me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That movie. Well, you know, you already know this. So I'm just going to say this and you're going to probably just say, yeah, Matt, that's right. But, you know, Rent was one of those little page turns in the feeder catalog that like changed the way people saw musicals. Yeah, Matt, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and... So it's like, um, you know, how, do you have a, did, is there a feeling sometimes of like, how do I ever um, beat uh, being in rent? I mean, or do people uh, firstly just recognize you and be like, oh yeah, she was in rent? Yeah, usually it's, I think rent is most of it. You know, every now and then it's some, something else, but it's often rent. And when I got, I was like, how do I, yeah, how do I top this? And it's going to be this, this high C is going to loom over my life for the rest of my life um, from this song. But, you know, it's just a blessing and an honor. I still can't believe I did it. It's like such like a dream to me. Um, and, then, and after all those times of no, 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 then doing the movie and then being invited to come back and close the show on Broadway. Talk about closing night of Rent on Broadway. <laughs> Well, it was insane. You know, I was doing Randall Broadway and I was also shooting Cold Case. So I was flying back and forth to LA 
shooting my TV show and then going flying across and doing Broadway. It was insane. So the whole thing was kind of a blur to me because it was so crazy that this was happening. I was only in the last five weeks of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And then they made it work and I couldn't believe it. Um, but it was just, it was just a very surreal experience being up there and, and closing the show and having the original cast up there with, with us who I had learned what, who are now like also family to me. Cause I'd done the movie with most of them. Right. Uh, but Freddie and Daphne, I had met on several occasions and they were really beautiful and cool with me. And, um, and just having all, you know, looking out in the audience and they were like, it, like, they, like they put the characters in sections together. So like all the Joannes were sitting together, <laughs> all, all the angels were sitting together in the audience. You know what I mean? And all these people had played the roles before looking out at all the care, all, all the, like the Rogers, the Marks, the, the Mimi's, the whatever, all sitting in the audience. You know, my parents were there. It was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And I was just a mess trying to sing the end of the song. Um, as you can see in the movie, I'm just like, Bleh. I mean, I just, I mean, I don't think notes were coming out at that point. <laughs> it's like, no day but today. <laughs> and then there was an, you know, there was an after party, and we just, you know, we had a great time. You know, it was just a really beautiful moment that I'm so honored that I got to be a part of. Was well, it, and it feels like a definite, like that was the end of the chapter in so many ways with you in that show. You know. Yeah. It seemed like, but then I did it at the Hollywood Bowl. Right, That's right. <laughs> I was like, again? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure someone called during the COVID uh, shutdown Zoom parties and said, can we have a rent reunion online? And people kept asking when there was going to be one, and it just never, it never really materialized, you know, because there was a big rent reunion when they did Fox, rent on Fox Live. Um, right. They all kind of reunited then, and you know, I think maybe a lot of them, a lot of them did do rent, like benefit things, you know, yeah. um, for co- during COVID, you know, and sometimes I was like, they did the whole like, like, will I moment when people were just kind of singing, will I? And, you know, it, it, it comes up, it comes up. And usually I'm singing, luckily, I'm not the soloist in most of them. Right. Because they, like, they get more current people to do it, the solo. And I'm like, great, I will ooh, ooh over here. I saw Rent on Broadway before it opened. Oh, wow. Because I happened to be in New York and this friend of mine who works for um, Broadway Equity Building says, you have to go and get these tickets for like, they're giving out 20 tickets or 10 tickets every morning for this new show. It's all the rage. Wow. So I go down to the Needleland and I'm like, what am I doing? And I saw the show before anybody had even talked about it. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't get through like, you know, half the music without crying without mm-hmm. you know during the song without you I just wanted to run in the bathroom and there was something about the show yeah it's just really like un- unlike anything you've seen yeah and I was obsessed with Daphne and because Facebook was oh, kind of I- new at the time we became friends on Facebook I friended her on Facebook and then she unfriended me so Daphne if, if you're, you're listening, listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding um, just a fun side note the three of us, me, Matthew, and you, Tracy, were all at that DC Rent audition. That's crazy. Except I wanted Mimi. Because <laughs> I, I got those notes. Of course you do. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so let's talk about Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Do you get back to, to Baltimore? Or is Baltimore still kind of a, a mini home? Uh, yeah. Or- 
just there for Christmas. I come for Christmas every year. And I usually come in the summer. I usually come at me three times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most beautiful, charming cities I've ever been to because I feel like, not that it doesn't ever grow up, but I, it has such vintage nostalgia about the harbor and so many places there. Of course, I'm obsessed with Poe, the Poe House. Oh, okay. The Poe House uh, is wild, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we had some. We had a girlfriend get married at a, at a museum right across from the Domino Sugar Plant or something. Oh wow! It was super awesome and kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then you lived in D.C. So have you ever gone on tour? Yeah, I did one like mini tour of a show called The Exonerated. And how's tour life? Tour life was fun. You know, my tours were short. I have this weird thing. I don't really do. It's not because I tried to do it this way. It just happened happened to work out this way. The things that I do, are the theater gigs I do are short. I haven't done a long run of a show that runs for like years. I haven't done that. Um, not that I haven't tried, but I haven't done it. Uh, so my tour was like, we went to D.C., Boston, and Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was a short little tour of, of this play. Uh, but... Yeah, it's fun. You know, you're in a hotel, you know, you get, you make friends for life. You know, you experience like bar culture. You go down to the bar in the hotel after the show. It's like that. It's, it's really fun. Um, but we went during like a, a deep freeze, like blizzard situation. So it was freezing the whole time we were there. But, you know, like, like Brian Dennehy was in the show and Mia Farrow and Chad Lowe. And it was just really, it was, it was a really good time. It really was. I remember what do you know what year that was? Because I do remember that coming through town. That was like oh three or four, something like that. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it was a big deal. It was. It was yeah. a big deal. Yeah, because we and the thing about being, as you know, a, an actor, especially stage actor, like you can never see anybody's shows. Yeah. You know. Um, cause you're always doing something. Um, Same schedule, but, so it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the other thing that you're probably most recognized for is of course, Devil Wears Prada. Um, yeah. and what's that? What's that? It's uh, on TV. Like, I'm kidding. <laughs> every day of the week it's on TV. Um, yeah. so that it, it's become like a classic iconic film. What they're making a freaking like musical out of it um they are yeah you didn't hear that i i don't know i heard it's good i always want to do the monologue about the um cerulean cerulean sweater Mm. yeah um so you that was uh gosh 2004 2005 it was like 2000 yeah that was we shot that in 2000 uh yeah 2005 um, I have to, I have to confess to you, it's, I, so it's one of these now iconic films, right, that will go down as one of the most famous films, and to, to be kind of involved in that, and, and have a place in that, you, I'm sure at the time, you don't know what the hell you're shooting, you're just like, okay, here's the script, I don't know how this movie's going to be, yeah. um, of course, La Streep is in it, so you know it's no, no slouch, but, you know, she's done She Devil, so anything can happen. Right. She's done she devil. She's I mean she's she's been in some clunkers, she would tell you herself. Um 
but 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 having said that you have uh you're you're kind of isolated or insulated from the street world of it all the job world you're just like andy's friends uh hanging out at the art gallery or the restaurant or whatever so i would imagine all your scenes were kind of like tightly shot they're probably what you probably didn't film on that for a very long time like correct right and uh the thing that i sometimes wonder about and is like are Andy's friends being just too hard on her? Cause I'm like, girl has a job and this is her job. Um, I think it's interesting. I think you if you look at the, um, the way the world has changed with social media and things like that. And right. Um, um, blind ambition wasn't quite as celebrated then as it is now. Now it's like, girl, get your bag, whatever you're going, whatever you need to do, get your bag. Right. But back then it was like, well, you still don't want to lose yourself and your job or whatever. And the thing that is so interesting with this whole theory that Andy's friends are the real villains of the movie, which is fast. People say that to me all the time. Like, you do know you're the real villains of the movie. I'm like, how? <laughs> she literally has, how? She has a boss who doesn't bother to, to learn her name, who's abusive. She works with Emily, who's trying to like undermine her at all turns. She goes to Paris with this older guy who gets her drunk and takes advantage of her. But her friends are the real villains. Right. How does that work? But people really believe this. They will die on the on this hill that the friends didn't support her. And the thing we have to remember is that, um, yes, Andy's boss Miranda was like a like a like an evil person to her for a long time um, until she gained her respect. Um, and, um, and Andy didn't want that job. Like Andy was not aspiring to be in fashion. She wanted to, you know, she, she looked down under herself. So Andy would complain about it all the time. So we were responding to how Andy was responding to it. So it wasn't like Andy had this dream of working for Vogue or working for Runway. Right. You know, she and was doing a job she hated. And then so she we were changed. Supporting her and her hate. And then she changed. And then I called her out on it. You're you're like you're drinking the Kool Aid that you hated, you know. And even Nate, who people hate Nate, Nate says to her after the gallery, he's like, "I'm just, you know, he's like, listen to me. I'm not judging what you do. I I do port reductions for a living. I I can't judge what you do, but you're not happy. That's mm -hmm. what we're responding to. So us being the friends, we're calling her out like this is not making you happy. This is torture for you. Her father is upset with the boss too. And it's like, put the phone down. You're not you're not calling her back. She's stuck in Miami." You can't make it happen. We're going to go see a show. Her father doesn't get any ire from people for saying the same things. Right. You know? The friends do because we're supposed to say, oh, it's fine that you changed who you are and you changed all of your values. You've changed <laughs> completely. We're supposed to let you change um, for something that you hate. You know what I'm saying? So, I no, I don't think her friends were too hard on her. Just yeah, like, oh, it's it's just a it's a frequent like a TikTok like conspiracy or something like people will talk about it. The friends are the real villain. I mean, I get it. It's fun, but but it actually it doesn't track for me. And if it did track for me, I would say, well, yeah, that tracks for me. But it, but it doesn't. Because yeah. But if, you're, if your friend goes to do a job that they hate and their boss is abusive, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, it's fine. It's like, wait, hold on. Have you ever had a boss like Miranda Priestley? No. You have not? I have not had a boss like her. I've had issues with bosses. I think that's just part of life. Now, when I say like her, I don't mean like dyed in the cloth, like matching. I'm So I had a boss that was so like horrific. We can't dish on nasty bosses. Yes, I can. I'm not going to say her name. 
but it like she gave me trauma that like therapy probably should have been used to work through. Yep. And I I feel like a lot of people went to that film because they had an experience like that and it was almost like revenge porn. It was almost like I cannot wait till she quits. When she quits, I'm going to feel so amazing about life. And that's that's what it, the movie was for me outside of amazing fashion you know, Meryl Streep, great music, everything like that. Um, it's just so so satisfying when she throws that cell phone. Um, everybody yeah. loves a good quitting story, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the script changed so much. We were shooting. We didn't know. I didn't know what the movie was going to be when it came out. Right. Because it's changing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But you, you had talked about change in the sense earlier about how uh, people it, it look at someone holding a job differently now than they did then. And and that's true with so many situations, as you already know, with um, cultures changing, views on women, views on race, views on so many things changing over and over again. And I just wanted to bring up, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus because I'm not going to bring up a name, Stephen. You see me? I'm not going to say a name. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But I, I remember you and Stephen actually kind of met online for a brief second, sort of in a heated conversation about, I'll just say, I guess, change and what that looks like. And it was in a social sort of way, because as we all know, some people don't learn quite as fast or maybe they don't they, they don't remove themselves and see the, the picture in the correct way. Right. But um. You guys had met in this in this situation, and and I think it's so amazing, as you know, be a be a performer where you can actually be a part of change. Um, have you ever turned down stuff that was offered to you because you felt like it was not maybe uh, up to date, or it wasn't the the it, it didn't have anything in it necessarily that you wanted to be a part of? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, it's rare, but because I'm very much like a if I have time for things. And I can, I, I, I like to work and I like doing all kinds of different things. I like meeting new people and doing things that will stretch me or make me, or make me a little uncomfortable. Um, but if something makes me very uncomfortable and I'm like, I can't, I cannot in good conscience do this, then I will turn it down. Yeah. And what do you go to for filling you back up when you've given out stuff do you have that artist that music that tv show that bag of chips what is your I, i'm very strange because i do things like i obsessed with dr pimple popper <laughs> i i've watched every episode of dr pimple popper you I'm have obsessed. yes oh my yes. gosh i'm obsessed i'm obsessed and there's something about the the, the satisfaction of it about right. the, like the gratification of that that's very satisfying to me it's you definitely know, a that, challenge yeah it is but it's, it's gross but you know but I, I like it um horror movies are my favorite genre i love watching horror movies my brother and i end every day watching a paranormal caught on camera episode that's ridiculous but but it's like our little ritual at the end of the, we live together so and then i was like let's do a paranormal or like do an episode of paranormal caught on camera before we go to bed it's, it's such like weird escapism for me, um, yeah, and we watch horror movies all the time, you know. And you, you never got into a, uh, a John Waters Baltimore phase with all of his crazy movies. I've seen most of his movies. Yes, I didn't get into a 
you couldn't be from Baltimore and not be a part of John Waters and want to be in a John Waters movie and watch them, you know, like Cry Baby shot down the street for me at, at our swim club. And I'm like, oh my God, Cry Baby's here. Johnny Depp is here. Blah, blah. You know, <laughs> you know, John Waters is a genius and he, he captures Baltimore so beautifully um, in a very eclectic, cool, you know, cool way. And um, it shows it's not like anywhere else. You you and I would get along so well because horror movies are my everything. Yeah. Um, my go-to. I have, I still have a lot of VHS tapes and downstairs. Oh yeah. In my little man cave. Um, I, uh, I just wanted to go back to that thing you were talking about. We're, pu we're putting together a horror puzzle right now. Okay, yes. Do Cause we put together puzzles and watch Jeopardy cause we're old people now. That's just what happened. That's what happens. It's very satisfying and, and relaxing. The world is very stressful right now. So when we met via Facebook, there was a, a mutual friend of ours who was, let's just say, a little older and white who was not understanding um, the riots happening and Baltimore. And, and I was doing a show uh, at the same time at Ford's Theater um, and my dear friend and co-star um, sitting next to me was Kevin McAllister. Mm -hmm. um, and he was dealing in real time every day with police issues and expressing to me during our half hour, as we're doing the show, the freaking civil war at Ford's theater. I mean, it's, it, mm -hmm. it, it was such a weird time anyway, but, but just listening to him and his experiences. And then I would go on Facebook and see these comments and say, you do not understand the underlying issues that caused this in the first place. And yeah. I think you and me and your brother Austin um, just kind of went back and forth trying to spell it out. And it did not end well, of course. And that gentleman has unfortunately passed away. But um, yeah, it, didn't. it was just frustrating because, you know, people... People want to talk about it, but they don't want to listen. Right. You know, um, and they really, really do. And I understand that, you know, his heart was in the right place, but it was in an old school. Like, why can't everybody just get over this and, like, we'll all be fine? And I'm like, that's not how this is going to work. You know yeah. I mean? it's, you know, because it was inconveniencing him or making him, you know, making him uncomfortable. And there are times with great change that everyone has to be uncomfortable, you know. Right. Um, but he wasn't willing to do that. He just went straight to victim mode, which is which is what happens. Like I'm just, you know, I'm I'm one of the good ones. Wait, but you're asking questions that are really problematic. So, um, you know, like every time I thought we were getting through to him, something yeah. would happen. <laughs> you know, so what happened? Well, um, and then you just want to say, do you uh, do you even look at your comments that you're putting out there on the internet that will never go away? Like, do you understand what you're saying before you type it? You just felt it was right. You know, when you feel somebody feels they're right, they don't care about that. They're like, they're like history is going to show that I'm right. Um, and he couldn't really separate himself from it. Yeah. Way you know what I mean, and that and that kind of person makes me sad. Um, because if we can't evolve, you know, if we can't listen, um, then what are we doing right here? You know, we look at how much change is happening right now, even though people are feel are feeling more safe to be themselves in terms of their pronouns. And, you know, this, you know, people being like, you know, non-binary, which was not even a thing three years ago. 
which you did you did a film about called straight up yeah it was about somebody who was kind of probably more around the a uh asexual kind of level is that correct Mm um absolutely yeah, I, I I still want something that you just said to be a T-shirt that says everybody wants to talk about it, and nobody wants to listen. Yeah, I think that's they just want to tell their side of it and how we should all just calm down and be happy and be grateful, <laughs> rather than like, but 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 no, you know, we this these last several years since I think, um, you know. Um, well before George Floyd, George Floyd was just like the breaking point, you know, and everyone was home and had to had to deal with it with George Floyd. Um, but, you know, when Mike Brown, that happened, it was just like, wait, hold on. You know, Trayvon Martin, I think, was the start of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Mike Brown happened and it was like, no, we have to actually address this, you know, because we somehow got lulled back to sleep in the 90s after Rodney King. And we got very excited about our little TV shows, little black TV show rev- a renaissance happening in the 90s and like there were a lot of black movies a lot of black rom-coms in the 90s and people just kind of like forgot about it and thought that everything was fine but now we have cam everybody has cameras right you know the riding king it never went away it's just riding king got caught on camera but it was so rare to catch it on camera now it's very easy to catch things like that on camera and now we have to really deal with what's happening that we have known our whole lives black people know this happens right you know, white people could pretend it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to them. You know, and we could say it's happening. White people, are like, oh, you're that wasn't that was an isolated incident. That's right. It wasn't in our neighborhood. Yeah, it doesn't happen in our neighborhood, or that happened that one time. You know, mistakes happen. You know, cops have a really hard job. But then when it's like we have hundreds of thousands of tapes of video of black people being abused by cops. Now, now, what are you gonna do about it? Every day, there's a new one. And yeah. and I what are you gonna do about it? And then when are you gonna see it? Yeah. And it's reflected in the culture as well, of course. Um, this is America, Childish Gambino, the 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 incredible video that kind mm-hmm. of just encompasses so much, uh, so freaking amazingly. Um, and there's also been like a renaissance of black horror films. Yeah. Um, between Get Out. Um, one of my favorites, Bad Hair, that came out, was it last mm-hmm. year? Yeah. Um, which I'm sure you've seen all of those, but you know, I'm, I'm a horror fan, so you know I need to ask you about Death Proof. Great. Can we can we <laughs> talk, sister, about the Death yes, Proof? We, yes, we can. I love the concept to- of the entire thing about Grindhouse and Death Proof, this, this, this whole thing of like... Uh, modern uh sleazy exploitation 70s films um that were just flipped uh to be a lot more feminine power um uh, can you tell us a little bit that about that experience well yeah i mean it was a crazy experience i was also still shooting cold case when i was doing that so that was also a thing um but it was like another dream come true because quentin is you know he's a genius and and he was really about female empowerment. You know, a lot of his movies are about female empowerment. You know, you think of Kill Bill, you know, those movies. And, you know, he could be very, very guy, guy, bro, bro. But then also he can, you know, give the ladies a lot of things for us to take pride in as well. Um, and, you know, we had this, like, terror movie. You know, it's horror, I guess. But, you know, it's just we're being terrorized by this guy. Uh, played masterfully by Kurt Russell. 
And, you know, we, we knew it. We all were friends. We rehearsed a lot. So by the time we were shooting, we knew it backwards and forwards, at least the dialogue scenes. And it was really just beautiful. And Rosario and Zoe and I are still very close to this day. Um, Rosario and I were already close from Rent, but uh, Zoe is one of my dearest friends. And uh, it's like we went through the trenches together for that film because doing that, doing the stunts on that movie were like, they were, I went to stunt school for it. So I drove a lot. I drove more than I probably would have on any other film, but but Quentin is all about authenticity. He's like, I need to get you in this car as often as I can, so I need you to go to stunt school and learn how to stunt drive. So I kind of got certified for the movie. So it was really, it was really a spectacular, beautiful experience. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really was. With Quentin, uh, of course, it's all about the dialogue and the. Um... So, so that's interesting. So it felt like that, it sounds like that was like a different process than your usual um, because of all the, the, the way that he kind of stylizes his dialogue. Yeah, and he's word perfect. You know, if you want to change something, you have to lobby for it, you know? <laughs> you can't just like switch it up and make it your own. No, he wrote, it, he wrote it, he writes very specifically. And you know, the way he writes, I wouldn't even want to make it my own. I'm like, I can't come up with something better than this. So let me make sure I get it right. Right. Uh, you know, particularly when we're doing scenes that are like seven seven minutes long and it's a one take. Wow. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's intense. Well, Tracy, we don't want to keep you from your beautiful weather. <laughs> um, but uh, before we go, uh, if you wanted to take this moment, is there anything that you want to announce as far as where to follow you or how to contact you as far as um, where to find you or upcoming things. upcoming things, or do you have advice for anybody, those uh, youngsters who sometimes got a million no's from rent, but then f had to wait for the yes. Is there any tidbits of encouragement for people who maybe want to grow up and be you Tracy? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone wants to grow up to be me. <laughs> but do the kinds of things that I do. Um, you just have to really, really have such a strong conviction in it because there are going to be so many things that are going to try to stop you. And in order to do this, you have to really be unstoppable. You have to like be like a train. You know, you can't let like, anybody stop you. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your boyfriend, your husband, your kids, nothing. You have to just keep going. Um, and if there's something that gives you joy, like as much joy that is not this, do that because this is... A roller coaster. The ups are really up, but the downs are really down. Um, the rejection can get really hard, and you just have to like keep going. Like, oh nope, that's not for me. Okay, you have to really adopt adopt a philosophy where you really uh, believe that what is for you is for you, and that nobody. Right. If if you don't get the role, it just wasn't yours. It's not like someone took it from you. Not because you're bad or you suck. It's because it wasn't yours. Right. You know, you're gonna get what you're supposed to get when you're supposed to get it, you know, and you have to believe that you believe that the cream always rises. You don't know when it's going to rise, but it's going to do it because that's all it knows how to do. So you have to really have a belief in those things in order to do it and learn as much as you can about it. You know, I trained, I went to Baltimore Actors Theater when I was nine in Towson, Maryland. Then I went to Arena Players in downtown Baltimore for years. Then I went to Baltimore School for the Arts. Then I went to Howard. Then I went to Oxford, studied Shakespeare. Then I went to Juilliard. I'm crazy. I have so much training, but because I wanted to know that I was, I knew what I was doing. It helps me to know I know what I'm doing. Right. 
you know, so, cause what we're doing is ridiculous. I act, acting is silly. I mean, like really we're pretending to be people. We're not as well as we can. The people who are watching us do it also know we're not those people. So everybody's in on it. It's really a kind of crazy thing. We've decided to dedicate our life to storytelling and really, um, you know, illuminating the human condition, which is what we're doing. And it's very important, but it's also kind of silly. Right. So you have to, you, know, you also have to know why you're doing it. You know what I mean? I always, I always feel bad for people who try to do this to be famous because fame is elusive and you can't hold on to it once you have it. And I'm happy to be the girl who was in that thing. You know, <laughs> I'm happy to be that chick. Like, oh, that girl was in that thing. Right. I'm happy to do that. You know, I'm, I can go to the store. I can live my life. Um, but know that I'm, I'm being successful in what I'm doing because I, I work pretty, pretty uh, often, pretty, you know, consistently. So I just say that, you know, make sure you, you follow your heart, you follow it, but have some training or some knowledge to back it up. Right. So not going on luck and instinct. Instinct is always, you're always going to rely on your instinct first and training is only there for when your instinct fails you and it will fail you. So you have to know what to do. You know, right. you don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to play this scene. How do I do this? All oh, right, my tools, the things I learned how to do this right. I'm not just flying by the seat of my pants, which is what a lot of people think they could do because they're beautiful or they really, they really have a passion for it. But it's better if you know what you're doing, you know? Training so, is there for you when your intuition fails. That's another t-shirt. When your instinct fails. When your instinct Instincts fails. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And that's only, that's all what it's there for because you have to have good instincts for it. Right. You know? Um, you have to have, you know, if you have no instincts, then I don't know what happens, but, um, but it's a mixture of the two. It's like crafted instincts. Right. You know? Well, Tracy, where can people follow you to learn all the next things you're doing or not? I'm, really I'm just at Tracy Toms on Twitter and on Instagram. Okay. Well, Tracy, it has been a joy to chat with you. Thank, Thank you, you guys so, so much. much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming over to Virginia. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, we will look for you on our TV screen or movie screen or whatever screen you're on anytime you're on it. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You guys have a great night. Okay. Bye. Bye. Wow. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on with us. We really appreciate your time. That was a great interview. So fascinating to hear about your journey and um, it's still underway. Lots of stuff going on. Yep. Very exciting. Um, uh, we love, love, love that uh, you still come back to Baltimore. We'll have to get together sometime when there's not a pandemic. That's right. Um, if you want to know anything else about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, and TikTok under Connor and Smith. Again, that's with an ER. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out so much. Please share this with all your friends. We have an incredible listenership that is growing, and we thank you for that. We know that you pass it along. We can see when it's shared, so we appreciate that very much. Um, and I guess until next time, we uh, don't really have a sign-off for season four. It goes like this. Okay. <clears throat> bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum. Good night. Oh, catchy. I like it. Bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum. Goodbye. Bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum. Until next. This is extensive. Go ahead.
Well, that's it. Until next, and then the end. Until next, meaning until next time. So sing that one more time. Bum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum. Until next. <laughs>